Hey, you're listening to the GGC Life Podcast. Weekly messages from our Sunday services. We hope this message encourages you. Be blessed. Alright, I got, I got a confession to make. I am a super duper OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder type of guy. Do we have any other people like that in the room? Just There's like so many things that just kind of irk you. I mean... Look, I, I am to blame for some of the stuff that goes on in this building, and yet I'm the one getting irked by some of the stuff in this building. What can I be irked by? The cables all over the stage. I, d- I don't know if you've ever noticed it. This is going to ruin it for everyone. But have you ever noticed that this LED screen is actually wonky? <laughs> all right, there's only some people here that the rest of you need to be delivered. <laughs> nah. Listen, I'm super OCD and, and, and I struggle with, I'm a designer by trade. I studied to be a graphic designer. I love art and, um, and I'm super into making sure things look great or things look weird on purpose. And, um, and here's the thing though, it, it can get to me. So a couple weeks ago, I got, a, I got a, a confession to make. I was sitting in the front row and uh, my dad's the senior pastor here. He leads this church. I was sitting in the front row while all of you nice Christians were listening to the message. I was distracted because my dad's collar was like this. The whole time he's preaching a fire word and he's like, in the name of Jesus, this is going to happen. I preach deliverance in Jesus. And all I could think of was this collar. And in my mind, I'm like, okay, at what point do I go up and fix his collar? Um, is someone else going to go up? Should I send Sal? Maybe people will be angry with him instead of me. Um, what do I do with this? I'm waiting for the right intermission. I don't want to seem like this obnoxious guy either that that's all I'm paying attention to. I asked Vanessa. She didn't, I mean, she didn't see it. Actually, I didn't ask her. That's, that's a different part of the story. Okay. And, um, and I, was, I was staring at his collar. Now, the craziest thing happened next. In what I thought was a gesture of love, Vanessa reaches her arm over me, my wife. She reaches her arm over me as if to give me a cuddle. And then what she does is she begins to adjust my collar as I'm sitting there in my chair. And I realize that my collar was completely scuffed as well. Now, super humbled in that moment, and I could have gone up, and I could have tried to correct dad, and I would have had this silly collar myself, and everyone would have laughed at me. It would have been terrible. Uh, following, uh, a couple of weeks later, following that incident, I think God was just teaching me about humility, but a couple of weeks later, um, I was in the lounge room with Vanessa, and uh, we were discussing some things, um, and I was probably trying to challenge her on some stuff, and she's like, no, I disagree, and I'm like, I disagree, and we both kind of were butting heads. And we just, things are getting more hyped, things are getting more tense. And I'm like, blah, 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 blah. don't you understand this or that? And I was getting so frustrated uh, with Vanessa uh, about this thing. And then in the middle of that frustration, while I'm trying to challenge her, all of a sudden I get something stuck in my eye. And, and I get something stuck in my eye, I'm like, ah, and it just increases the frustration. So I ran to the bathroom, I get to the, the sink basin, and I start to wash my eye out. I'm flooding my eye with water, and I'm like, what's going on? This is so annoying, flushing my eye out. And then I look up to the mirror, and as I gaze up at the mirror, as I finish rinsing, I breathe a sigh of relief, and I look up to the mirror to check my eye, and the mirror before me, and it hit me. Don't be so concerned about the speck of dust in your brother's eye to the point that you miss the log that's stuck in your own eye. As the church, now this is still convicting me today, and I think this is a very current word for us as a church, 
And this week, something really cool happens that was kind of timely for this word. We'll get into it in a second. But I think this morning, Jesus wants to say to his church, why don't we start with the man in the mirror? I'm starting with the man in the mirror. Ow! Um, if you don't know that song, you're too young. If you, I don't know. All right, I was too young for that song. Well, the title of my message is Man in the Mirror. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, you've got to start with the man in the mirror, or the woman, or the whatever. <laughs> All right. Now, today we're going to be opening up to the book of Matthew, chapter 7. So if you have your Bibles with you, please open up to the book of Matthew, chapter 7. Got an awesome word to read this morning. Father, I just pray that this word would minister to us, that we would truly receive this word. Father, let it prick our hearts, let it change us, shift us. And Father, we just, we rend our hearts vulnerable to you, Lord, to minister to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me warn you, this is one of those messages that you sit in your seat and you think it's for that person next to me. (laughs) It's it's one of those messages where you're like, I got to talk to my wife about that when I get home. If I'm not the only one guilty of that in this room, then... There's a problem here, but it's, not one of, it's, it's one of those messages that you're going to be feeling that way, but God is speaking this message to you. Now, we're reading in Matthew chapter 7. Uh, we're going to be starting in verse 3, and um, this is Jesus kind of concluding his sermon on the mount. He's been going through the Beatitudes. He's taught on marriage and all sorts of other things, judging others, eye for an eye, you know, adultery, prayer, giving to the poor, all sorts of things like that, murder. <laughs> um, and he continues on, and now he's getting to the part of his sermon where he's sensing that people are responding in that way, and they're like, you, you can tell that people are hearing this word, but they're thinking, yeah, it's for that person, it's for that person, it's for my friend, um, and, and it's a good word for that guy. But Jesus wants to remind them that their biggest hindrance is worrying about the person to their left or to their right because they are missing what needs to be dealt with in them. God wants to deal with things in us this morning. There's been freedom prophesied over this morning, deliverance, peace, joy, but that's going to come as we walk in His Word, as we walk in His will this morning. So let's read it. Matthew chapter 7, verse 3. We'll start at verse 3. And it says this, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust? Everybody say the speck. Why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log? Everybody say log. The log that is in your own eye. Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your your eye when there is a massive log in your eye? Now, what is a log? Logs are the not so great things that you easily see in others. The, the, the issues of life that you see in others, but easily miss in yourself. That's what a log is. And the question today is this, have you checked yourself? Here's another corny line. Check the person next to you and ask them, have you checked yourself before you wreck yourself, son? <laughs> Check yourself before you wreck yourself. How silly would I have been if I walked up on stage? I'm sitting, I'm sitting here on the front row. I'm sitting on the front row, mining, I should be just receiving and hearing what God wants for me, and I'm watching dad, and then all of a sudden, I'm seeing his collar, and you see this silly young man walk up on stage with a crazy collar, and I go to adjust dad's collar. That's what we do every single day when we make judgments with an impure heart. The question today is, have you checked yourself? I would have wrecked myself in that moment. 
You better, you better be helping. If, if you, you actually do, here's, here's the thing. You'll do better helping others once you have experience helping yourself. And I believe in, in today's context, there's a lot of broken type people that are on a mission to fix other people and haven't tended to their own heart, tended to their own light. And that's a challenge for us this morning. I'm working through this big time. I've got to be vulnerable with you. And this is, this is a real thing. Let it, let it pierce you to your heart this morning. <sighs> Why can we actually help people around us better after that? Because we actually have grace for them. We aren't so harsh because we know what they must be going through. We have context because we've dealt with the log. And we truly know how to overcome and beat the problem too. We're not just going in misguided and giving information and, and what we would call revelation, but haven't even gone to God about it in our own lives. And God is saying, have you checked yourself before you wreck yourself? Matthew 7, verse 3 to 4. Let me read it again. Why do you see the speck? Everybody say speck. That is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye. How can you say to your brother, let me take the, the speck out of your eye when there is clearly a log in your own eye? Now, this is where a headset would have done much better. Um, the headphone, microphone, but I need to carry this up. How about I get Sal? Can we welcome Sal to the stage? Come up on the stage, mate. Sal is one of our pastors. He's also an incredible worship leader, an amazing man of God. And we're going to tease him this morning. Can I get an amen? amen. All right. Sal, can you pick up the heavy log first? Is it too heavy? It might be too heavy for him. All right. Very good. Watch those biceps pop. Okay. Now, Sal, me and Sal have been to the gym before, and I know he's very strong. But uh, this is an illustration. What, if, if you keep the log in your life, right? If you keep the log in your life, it's going to do two things. If you go around trying to do ministry with this log in your life, it's going to do, it'll definitely do one of these two things. Number one, I know, I'm doing, I might be doing this on purpose. Number one, it's going to obstruct your view. Why don't you lift that up in front of your eyes, if you can? All right, very cool. I need one other volunteer. Dave, can I invite you up stage? Is that all right? I just need someone to hold this mic up for me, if you can jump on stage. Dave's an amazing man of God, incredible financial advisor, mortgage broker, everything is incredible. And uh, he was my kid's pastor at times. Anyway, all right, keep on. All right, so if you can hold that to my mouth. What's going to happen is we're going to play a quick game. Hold that up in front of your eyes. All right, and what we're going to do is you're going to guess what, the, uh, how I'm making the sound that I'm making. So what... What sounds, how am I making this sound? With what part of my body? Okay? You ready? Three, two, one. Your speaking mouth and head. Oh, good job. Good job, bro. All right. Tell me if you can, um, if you know what sound I'm making, with, uh, with what body part I'm making this sound. Your knee. Incorrect, my friends. All right. Tell me if you know. Lift it up a little. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll lower it like this. All right. If, all right. What, what sound am I making now? Uh, incorrect. Close, but incorrect. All right, you can drop it for now. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, Dave. Stay on stage. All right, no matter what Sal did, because the log was in his eye, he was making bad judgment. It will obstruct your view, and it will cause you to make bad judgments. The second thing it's going to do is it's going to weigh you down. Why don't you, why don't you go swap with that log, because you're struggling. Um, who thinks they can beat... Um, I'm going to volunteer Dean. Dean, can you please come up to the front? 
I think Dean can beat Sal in a push-up competition. Um, but no, no, take your, keep your shirt on. <laughs> All right. Uh, no, no, no. All right. What's going to happen is I want you both, I want you both on, on the floor here about to, in a push-up formation. And um, it's, the first, it's the first to 20 push-ups, okay? I'm going to place this on your back, Sal. I'm going to see how you go. All right? So get in formation, people. Why don't you go head to head, head to head, so everyone can observe you. All right. Ready. Are you guys, can you guys count with us? All right. Actually, we probably need two separate counters. All right. I'm going to count Sal and everyone else in church. You count Dean. All right? Ready? Three, two, one. Let's go. One, two. Oh, all right. Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. All right, they're kind of tied. I think we need to swap the log. <laughs> All right, that's not going to work. Why don't, we, why don't we thank these lovely gentlemen for helping with the illustration? You were supposed to lose, Sal, but he didn't get it. That's all right. <laughs> We tried this on the young people, and Vanessa said the illustrations are too obvious, but obviously not. But that's okay. I'm joking. All right. Number two. Okay, so it's either going to obstruct your view, going to cause you to make bad judgments, or it will weigh you down. It's going to slow down your journey. On Friday night, I shared this message, and we had young people racing, one person with a log, one person without unhindered. When you neglect to deal with what's on you to pursue what's wrong with other people, you're going to make bad judgments with an obstructed view, and you're going to be slowed down by the weight of the log in your life. And this morning, God's saying, what do you need to deal with? Have you forgotten to tend to your own heart? This is just a reminder message this morning to wake us up to what God is wanting to do in these final days. Straight up, this should convince you, I don't want to be carrying this thing around. If I, I had a thought to strap this thing to my back, get some sort of a backpack and try to preach the message with a log in my back, it would weigh me down. It would slow me down. I would not be performing to the way God intended me to perform. You are not going to be effective as a believer or a witness when this thing is on you. Don't be so distracted by the waywardness of others that you forget to tend to your own light. Matthew 5 verse 16 says this, let your light, everybody say light. We all have been given a light. You know what? Jesus says that he says to you, he says, you are the light of the world, the salt of the earth. You know, Jesus ascended to heaven and now he's seated at the right hand of the Father. You know what that signals? It means that he is done. His work is done. He said it is finished and it is complete. He now leaves it to us, his church, to be a light in this world, salt to the earth. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Your best witness to other people is to be a miracle testimony. Allow them to see how God has taken the log out of your eye. Let it be so evident. Now, there are many variables in life, okay? We live in a world where there are many variables. You know, there there are so many variables and there's one constant and that constant is God. We know that God is the same yesterday, today and forever. We know that He is ever faithful. But every single person here in this room is a variable. If Dylan wanted to jump up right now on his chair and start flapping his arms around and making crazy noises, (laughs) he could. He's a variable. (laughs) He's a variable. He can do what he wants to do. We're all variables, right? 
we're all variables in this world. <laughs> However, there is one variable that you have control over, and that is yourself. So let your light shine. In a mar- if you're married or if you're dating, if whatever relationship you're in, you come to this marriage and there's a variable in your own life. You've become one with someone, yet that person is a variable. I don't know if, if, if Vanessa doesn't know if I'm going to have a terrible day or a good day. I don't know if Vanessa's having a good day or, or a bad day. And there's a variable here. And if I've built my foundation on that variable, I'm going to get pretty shaky. And if I, if I spend all my time trying to fix that variable and don't turn to my heart, things are going to get just as shaky. You can never guarantee controlling your partner and their spiritual growth or their love for you. Maybe you're like, please, you got to, I mean, I've shared this before in previous preachers, but I always, I, I say to Vanessa, I say, I love you. And she's like, cool. She's not mean like this, but she says, cool. And I said, love you too. Love you too. And, I, and I'm wanting the love you too to come back. It's, it hurts so much. when she. I usually say love you when she's doing something and she's busy. But um, you, you can't control how they react in different seasons, but you can control how you react and how you love and how you protect. If you're in uni or if you're studying, whatever you're doing, you can't control uh, the sort of talk that's going on in your circle or your sphere, the rumors that are spread, which friends are or aren't nice to you, who does or doesn't like you, but you can control what you bring to the uni. You can't control that culture of honor, love, truth, peace. If you've got a lecturer that dishonors you every time you walk into the room, you're not going to be able to control that variable. But you know what variable you can control? You can sow in a culture of honor. You know, the, the, um, we, we know here, a culture of our church is honor. But we know that when you give, if, if you want to get something, you should give it away. What you give away, you will get. And so if you want honor in your life, you better start sowing honor. And it comes back to this principle. What's the log in your eye that you've got to deal with? If, you, uh, if you're in the workplace, whatever you're working, you, can, you can't control how your boss treats you or how much they pay you or any of that. But you can control, you can choose to work to a higher value. You can choose, you know what, I'm going to work as if it was worth more money. I'm, I'm going to choose to honor this boss. I'm going to so honor the same way as I would desire. And I'm going to choose to work in a higher standard because, you know what? Jesus walked around the world and he proclaimed this thing. He said, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You know what he was referencing? Himself. And now he's given us charge and he's given us authority to say, wherever I go, the kingdom of heaven is at hand because I bring it there. We're not, we're not going in expecting the variables to change. I come in with a shifted variable myself, and I'm going to release the kingdom of heaven. If I walk into an atmosphere where joy isn't going, where, where people are just feeling really down or depressed, if people are feeling negative, whatever it is, I'm going to come in, and I'm going to bring love. I'm going to bring positivity. If people have... If, I, think, I, think, I think it's easy to look at today's culture and one thing that is, it's, it's kind of fun sometimes to criticize today's culture and be like, oh, you know, today's culture is entitled. Today's culture doesn't respect, you know, um, leadership or elders or whatever. And, um, oh, but God has actually given us the authority to release the kingdom of heaven. God has given us the, we, we get to say the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Check it out. And then we walk in and we start sowing honor. We start, we start living modestly if God's called us to live modestly. We start being generous people, and we get to sow in what God wants to sow into this world. Can I get an amen? amen. Let your light shine. Turn to your neighbor and say, let your light shine. Let your light shine. 
And that's the question this morning. Have we become so blinded by the frustrations of our environment that we neglect to work on and be faithful with what God has given us control over, which is ourselves and our own light? Paul Vanessa got married to a a man who struggles with fast food addictions, as many of you have heard before. Um, I, I used to, you know, at all hours of the day, drive through, at all hours of the night, drive through Macca's or Porto's, KFC, you name it. Now, Vanessa could easily just be, she, she, she could be easily super critical of me and get into an attitude of correcting me. But instead, what Vanessa has done so well in our marriage is she always chooses to work on herself. And when I see her so committed to her health, to her fitness, to eating the right stuff, it challenges me. It convicts me. Let me tell you something. When Vanessa packs tuna and brown rice for lunch... And I was planning on getting a HSP, a halal snack pack. The, you know the kebab? Have you ever had a halal snack pack? It's absolutely incredible. It's, um, it's, it is halal. But it's also, it's, it's literally, it's chips and it's shaved meat and, and chicken and stuff. Oh, it's amazing. Barbecue sauce, chili sauce. It's incredible. That's like my temptation. But if I was planning to have a kebab that day and Vanessa walks out with a tuna can, She's not shifting it. She doesn't say anything to me. But all of a sudden, without her saying a thing, I'm feeling convicted because she is shining her lights. There was a certain strategy. I don't want to get ahead of myself. Uh, uh, Let's just keep moving. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And I I mean, another example is um, I was was kind of embarrassing Tomo on Friday night when Tomo gives me incredible gym sort of um, feedback, and he tells me, okay, bro, this is how you got to train. you got to do high reps, or you got to do low reps, you got to do this or that. It's easy for me to receive off someone that is fit. If Tomo is struggling to walk up the stairs, I'm not going to want to take advice from him. Amen. But Tomo is not unfit. He's not inexperienced. He walks the walk, and this man goes, he's, he's, a, he's a personal trainer. As a personal trainer, his body is his marketing, right? <laughs> Let me put something to us this morning. Jesus' plan for his church was to allow his body to be the marketing for salvation. Now, if, we're, if people aren't convinced that they want God in their lives or Jesus in their lives, then we better look back at the body. What, what is it about us that stinks so much that they're, they're fleeing left, right, and center? Dad said it a while ago. If the gospel is so attractive, it's the perfect thing, and we should have people running in through these doors or running to believers and saying, I want this. What's on your life? I need it. But that's not happening today, and there's got to be a reason. And what's the variable this morning that we can deal with? It's ourself. Um, all right, let's open up to Mark chapter 2. I want to I d- dive into something. As we enter the Gospels, we see this religious identity pop up. We, we um, are introduced to the Pharisees, and the Pharisees are the religious leaders of that day. They were the priests. They were the people that were designated like the body of Christ today. Back then, they were designated to show to the world who God was and what He meant and what He wanted to say in this day and age. And countless times we see them missing the point of what Jesus was bringing because they were so concerned about the sins of others that they lost sight of what God wanted to do in and through them. You know, an on-fire Pharisee um, leadership would have actually done a really good job. 
You know, the Pharisees had chosen to dedicate their lives to the temple, to God and to His, his things, but they missed out what God wanted to do in and through them. Mark chapter 2. Let's turn to Mark chapter 2, verse 15. Hmm. Everybody say, hmm. Is this hurting anybody right now? Has anybody left yet? Not yet. All right. Mark chapter 2, verse 15. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, otherwise known as Matthew, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. Now, before we continue on, this is, this is Mark 2, chapter 15. We see Levi, Levi, also known as Matthew. He was actually a tax collector himself. So he's having, he's having lunch. He's eating with, with Jesus. Um, he's supping with Jesus. And then um, all of a sudden, there's a whole bunch of tax collectors and sinners around them eating with them and the disciples. Now, Jesus was amazing because um, Jesus knew that he was a tax collector. And as an ex-tax tax collector, of course, he's going to have tax collector friends and connections. He had a radical transformation, and Jesus knows this is the perfect opportunity to break into that community of tax collectors. Jesus is doing some productive evangelism right here. He's gone in, and he's bringing the lost. Now, in a nutshell, don't become a Pharisee and get so stuck in your religious thinking uh, that we miss out on what God's trying to do. Now, check this out in verse 16. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Everybody say the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. Everybody say sinners. Now, is Jesus saying to the Pharisees that he doesn't need to spend time with them because they're all good? Because they're, they're healthy and they're righteous, you know? I mean, with, with the, the heart the Pharisees had, that's probably the way that they heard Jesus' words. They're like, okay, well, okay, we, we get it. We'll cut you some slack. You're spending time with people that need it. They're sick. They're lowly. They're dirty. They're scum, etc. Cool. Work, work some time with them. What they missed out on was a revelation that Jesus was saying that anyone who realizes that they come up short without God in their lives needs me. They were missing out on the opportunity to encounter Jesus. There's a whopping log in their eyes in this moment. They were blinded by the speck of dust in their brother's eye, the little things that aren't perfect around them. And there's a whopping log that God wants to deal with in our lives. Christ has opened a door, but we can be blinded because we're more concerned about justice being served to the people with speck in their eyes. Now, if justice was served, let's just, let's just calculate this for a second. If justice was served to the guy with speck in his eye, then the guy with log in his eye is stuffed. <laughs> and that's us. If, if we're going out with, and we're decreeing judgment over certain people, if we're missing out the agenda of what God wants to do through us, then we miss the whole point. And we actually, if we start passing judgment, I mean, the Bible says clearly, forgive others lest God not forgive you. If we hold forgiveness from other people, God's going to hold it from us. So let's start with the man in the mirror. Can I get an amen? Um, so there's so many logs that could, I, I want to start bringing this to a close. There's so many logs that could be lurking in our midst. The thing is, only you, you can pray to God and, and allow Him to speak to you about what's lurking in your midst. But let me just give you three whopping big ones that I think belong to most believers in the body of Christ. Number one, is pride. Everybody say pride. Remember, logs are the things we more easily see in others but miss in ourselves. 
It's easy to walk in here and be like, that person's got pride. I know that person's got pride. You know, we say things like, that person always wants to be the center of attention. That person definitely has the wrong motives. I know it. I've never seen this person apologize in my life. So arrogant. But maybe I've got a pride problem in my life. Maybe I've got pride feeling like I've got the right to pass judgment and to fix what's on them before I've tested what's on me. We all know that pride comes before a fall, and you're not much help to those around you when you're collapsed on the floor. So number one, deal with pride. Number two, dishonor. It's easy to see dishonor in other people, but sometimes we miss it in ourselves. It's easy to see when someone has dishonored your time. It's easy to see when someone has dishonored um, your, your trust. It's easy to see when someone else has dishonored their word, whatever it is. And you can start thinking that person is so disrespectful. That person is always late. How can they be so mean to other people? But you have flaws in your own character that are probably dishonoring in other ways as well. There are things that we're missing in our life that unless we deal with the log in our own eye, we're going to struggle to bring freedom to the people around us. And lastly, this third one is hypocrisy. Everybody say hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is fakeness. It's, it's the inauthentic stuff in this world. We start, we start saying, oh, that, person's, that person is not authentic. I saw them doing something dodgy just the other day. If people only knew the real them, and we speak like that about people around us. What if people knew the thoughts that you struggled with? Sometimes I get convicted because I'm thinking, man, if people knew the journey that I went through, the times that God used me when I felt like I wasn't ready. We all have fake parts and things we do to impress other people. You know, when I, when I took the role of being youth pastor here eight years ago, let me be real with you. You know why I became a youth pastor here? Now, this is terrible. If someone told me this is their motivation, I would not say yes. But uh, in my heart, when, someone, when Brendan, Brendan and Chris asked me and Nathan to take over the youth ministry, I was like, heck yeah, because that girl, Vanessa, from high school, I know she wants to be a youth pastor one day, and she'd definitely marry me if I was a youth pastor. I wanted a girl in my life. <laughs> Wrong motivation. We all have fake parts and things that we do to impress others. Beautiful thing is the grace of God. He takes, he takes our brokenness and He says, I'm going to use that. I'm going to restore that. I'm going to work with that. And let me check this. Let's just check this out for a second. We're looking at the Pharisees. We won't read it. Look at the Pharisees. But many times, it wasn't just the Pharisees, but it was those that, that consider themselves disciples of Jesus that had a log in their eye. I mean, you remember the time where um, the disciples were with Jesus and these children came running in and they tried to block the children from getting to Jesus. And they would have missed out on what God, Jesus wanted to do in that moment. And Jesus is like, you know what? If you're not like a child, if you, don't come, if you don't come to me like a child, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Or Zacchaeus, when, when everyone was getting upset that, that uh, Jesus was spending time with Zacchaeus, all of a sudden that they would have missed out on the fact that, you know what? God was trying to use broken people. And in that moment, Zacchaeus gave back a lot more than he ever sold from anyone. And he told others about Jesus. God is doing an incredible thing. And even those of us that call ourselves disciples of Jesus... We have logs in our eyes. Now, I wanted to finish on this, and I'm not trying to be all trending and, and stuff like that, but I just thought it was timely um, that this week, I don't know if you've heard of um, the, the infamous rapper Kanye, but this week, this week he released um, what's considered to be like a gospel or a Christian album. He's not like, he's not like a Christian um, 
I don't know. I don't know even what a Christian artist is. But he's, he he's, hasn't been being a Christian artist all these years. He's produced many stuff. They've got swear words in them. They've got, you know, vulgar stuff in them. All sorts of stuff, interesting stuff. And the question is, what are your thoughts on Kanye this morning? Should we be... Should we, should we have really overt thoughts for Kanye? Should we be thinking, okay, what's going on here and there? Um, like, like, I, I don't know where Kanye's at, all right? I, I'm not going to make a judgment, and I don't think it's our problem. It's not, it's not our job to make a, a judgment or a statement necessarily. But I love, there was, there was a pastor, his name is Rich Wilkerson Jr., and he was asked to give a statement about um, Kanye, and he was preaching. Kanye's been preaching and all this stuff. And someone asked Rich Wilkerson Jr., you know, what do you think about his preaching? And he said, well, to be honest, I've heard worse. <laughs> and it's crazy to think, I was talking with Vanessa about it this morning. If you look at, he's, he's by no means at a place that the Apostle Paul was at. But Paul started off as a person completely separate from the church, literally killing the church. He was persecuting church to the point that when he got saved, the church didn't want to receive him. They were freaking out and they're like, we can't receive this guy. He's too much of a, me- a nut job and a-, a messy sort of case to deal with. We don't need this right now. Let's just keep working with who's in our own ranks. And, um, and they were too scared. And then Vanessa was bringing up how, you know what? He actually went and he started churches. He, he started preaching. He- it was later that he went to Peter, James, and John, you know, the, the apostolic people um, back in Jerusalem. And he's like, hey, is what I'm preaching cool? Can I submit this to you? And there was unity and it was great. But you know what? Before that even got to happen, he started because he got saved. And the beautiful thing here is to think, you know what? If God's doing something in Kanye, let, let's not let the church, who's supposed to be the advertising of Jesus the head, the body, be the ones that shun and shame Kanye for what he's doing. I want to read an excerpt from... from a song that he wrote, I think it's called, Ethan, what's it called? Hands On. I think it's called Hands On. It's just a little excerpt. Um, it's written in a bit of like, it's like rap style, so it's kind of, some of the words are abbreviated, but let me just read it to you. I'm not going to rap it. <laughs> Told the devil that I'm going on a strike. I've been working for you my whole life. Nothing worse than a hypocrite. Change. He ain't really different. He ain't even try to get permission. Ask for advice and they dissed him said, I'm going to finally do a gospel album. What have you been hearing from the Christians? They'll be the first one to judge me, make it feel like nobody loves me. They'll be the first ones to judge me, feeling like nobody loves me. I told people that God was my mission. What have you been hearing from the Christians? They'll be the first one to judge me, make it feel like nobody loves me. Make you feel alone in the dark and you'll never see the light, man. You never seeing home and you never see the domes. I can feel it when I write point of living in the rights if they only see the wrongs never listen to the songs just to listen is a fight but you booked me for the fight it's so hard to get along if they only see the slight from the love of religion what have you been hearing from the christians they'll be the first one to judge me make it seem like nobody loves me i'm not trying to lead you to visas but if i try to leave you to jesus we get called halfway believers They've only read halfway, they've only halfway read Ephesians. Only if they knew what I knew. I was never new till I knew of true and living God, Yeshua, the true and living God. And then he finishes with the statement, somebody pray for me. And what if all these years we've been praying for God to invade the arts or the Hollywood or the whatever? And I'm still shaking with this. I've had conversations with people in this church, and I'm like, mm, I don't know, this is weird. Not about Kanye, but just the way that the church is moving forward into all that God has for it. Let me tell you, it's going to look different. 
Are we welcoming what God wants to do in this new age? Are we welcoming the next journey, the next chapter of His bride? He says that He presents before Him a pure and spotless bride. Let's leave it up to Him. Let's believe that He's doing a great work. And the way that's going to work is if we start with the man in the mirror, if we tend to the light in our lives. So my challenge today, why don't we all stand up? I, I, I want us to become people that truly hear from the voice of God, that we truly hear what God is wanting to do in our lives. We would be a light in this dark place. We'd be salt of the earth if we'd allow Him to do something in us. Stop trying to put it on other people to be the light or the salt. Man, you can, you can walk into church and, and feel critical about church and be like, man, that leader doesn't even have what, you know, I, I, don't, I don't like the songs they sung this morning. I don't like the word that that guy is bringing. You know what? Even if that person said the wrong thing or, or the person next to you is, is, being, is talking during church, whatever it is, God is saying, hey, what's your light? Where's your light at? So why don't we close our eyes this morning? Because I want to pray over us that we would, that God would open the eyes of our heart to see the hope of glory that is found in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'm just going to pray this scripture over you, actually. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, we just, we just praise you, Lord. Father, we just thank you. We thank you that you've given us every spiritual blessing and that you're wanting to work with us. You truly want to work with us. And so, Father, right now, we just open, we, we, we invite you to open up our, the eyes of our heart to the hope of our calling in Christ Jesus, that you would transform us by the renewing of our minds. Father, that you would, you would enlighten us to what you want to do in our hearts, God. Father, let us not be distracted by what you're doing in other people, the great things you're actually doing in other people. But would you encourage and stir us to look at the man in the mirror, Father? Would you stir us to be a light, to be salt in this earth, Father? And Father, right now, we just release all judgment. We release all everything that we've held against other people, grudges, unforgiveness, hurt. Father, the logs that have been slowing us down, that have been obstructing our view, that have been causing us to make false judgment, bad judgment, that have been slowing us down in our ministry and in our mission. Father, we drop the logs right now. We ask you to come and deal with the things in our heart that we've yet to deal with. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Thank you, Lord. been listening to the GGC Life Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. For more, please visit our website, ggclife.com or email us, ggclife at ggclife.com. From our house to yours, be blessed.